Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Kuharski will check in in an hour from Buffalo. Bills and Titans tonight. On Monday Night Football, one of two games. We also get Vikings-Eagles. We'll preview both throughout today's show. And uh, again, PK joins us in an hour, live from the stadium, with the very latest on tonight's national matchup. What a weekend of college and NFL games. We're going to recap all of the greatness in all of its glory. Chad, good afternoon. Is Paul's face covered in buffalo sauce right now or something? Is he getting chicken wings? What, what, why, why an hour? Well, I think that's when he has access to the stadium. Uh, oh. based on when he can get in and actually be on the show. Um, and gotcha. that makes total sense. Hutton, I am thrilled to be here today because we had a glorious Sunday of NFL football. I thought oh. week one, even though we had some close games, lacked a little bit of drama in, in some of them. This, this week did not lack for anything in the NFL. We are all blessed to be football fans and have watched Sunday in the NFL yesterday. Terrific. Miami over Baltimore takes the cake. And then you have Arizona on life support where at halftime, I was listening to uh, Cardinals radio on my drive to do some TV work. And they're discussing, like they, one of the announcers caught themselves by saying, what, what can a coaching change? And then he, he stops and goes, what can a coaching adjustment do in the second half to get them back in the game? Almost like I don't want to be insinuating that Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat. They're down 20 nothing. And they come back to win in overtime on a defensive fumble, takeaway, return for a touchdown. We had that. We're going to hit on Dolphins and, and their comeback win. Down 21 going into the fourth quarter. And Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell going off against that Ravens defense after Lamar Jackson was playing well. The Jets, down 30-17, to 17, come back and win by a point because of clock mismanagement. Sorry, Tyler. Over the Browns. Browns. Um, and, and everything in between was phenomenal. Great college football weekend, too. Appy State continues their Cinderella run. Penn State trounces Auburn and sends Tigers fans headed to the exits before the fourth quarter even gets going. A&M rebounds with a, a nice win over Miami, a good defensive performance against a solid quarterback in Van Dyke. And um, LSU gets a, a much-needed win at home. It's Tennessee-Florida week now after the Gators survive South Florida and the, and the Vols take care of Akron. There's a lot to get to over the next 24 to 48 hours. And how about my Kansas Jayhawks? 3-0. and Great pick. Lance Leipold. They go to Houston and win. Been telling the Husker fans in my life, you could do a lot worse than hiring Lance Leipold from Kansas to lead the Nebraska Cornhuskers. What a great start. Guy's a program builder. He's gotten it done at every level, everywhere he's coached. And he's got Kansas playing good football. Really fun weekend. Hutton, though, I'm watching um, uh, uh, Kyler Murray yesterday in the Cardinals, and I still can't help but think, 
every single offensive play seems like they snap the ball to him, and maybe there's one read, but I can't really tell. It's like they snap it, and it's a scramble drill immediately. And he's really good at that. I mean, he is an expert yeah, at doing that. He's a but magician. I feel like they're not running a set, organized play, going back to the Cliff Kingsbury discuss- discussion at times. They snap it, he takes off scrambling, and then eventually does some miraculous escape act and then throws it towards someone at, at some point in the play. Well, that I, happens a lot with that offense. I, I, think they, I, I think that's by design. I also think you're seeing some of the remnants of Hopkins not being available for their offense with a true number one guy. They're now trying to, you know, it, it's either Murray or bus Murray comes out and the game plan's perfect. Or we see what happens uh, from week one and going back to the playoffs of last year against the Rams where the game plan didn't work. Um, he either uh, avoids pressure. I mean, he had, the, he held the football for 20 seconds on the two point conversion where he runs around like 80 plus yards and ends up scoring on the two point conversion. And they went on long drives. They scored touchdowns of nine plays, 11 plays, 18 plays over the final two quarters. And none of that takes place without Murray's magic. I mean, he, he's a, a, a trick show. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I think that's the maddening part about it. Yesterday in the second half, they, were, they stayed in the locker room very late. It's already a short halftime to begin with, the Cardinals. And the team, uh, the Raiders were back out on the field. Everyone's ready to go. It's like less than a minute before they're starting the second half. And the team was still in the locker room. Coaches were out. It seems as though there was like a players-only chat down 20 nothing on the road in Vegas after an abysmal offensive performance the last two games they had played, week one and then the playoffs of last year. And they came back out and pulled off a miraculous comeback to send the, send the, the Raiders to 0-2. I look at yesterday, and I still I think about three AFC teams that should be in contention for playoff spots, and three things that absolutely cannot happen: the Raiders cannot blow a twenty to nothing lead against Arizona at home. Cannot do it. It was great of the Cardinals, great comeback, all of that. Cincinnati cannot lose to Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys to drop to zero and two. Can't do it. Cannot have it, and that's what happened. We're going to focus on, because that's the biggest story of these games, the positive out of these games of these teams. But on the flip no, side of right. that, you cannot have this. You know what else you can't have? You can't blow a 28-7 lead at home if you're Baltimore. Tua Tungavailoa had one of the best performances in Dolphins history. And they had a guy named Dan Marino as their quarterback. That's how good his ben day Greasy. was. But you cannot allow that to happen up 28-7. At one point well, in that game, up 35-21 also in the second half. Well, again, they went in the Terrible fourth quarter down the, by three touchdowns. Ravens. Yeah. Down by three touchdowns. Tua with 429 yards, throws for six touchdowns. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, they totaled 354 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Um, the Ravens tried everything defensively. They dropped nine. They blitzed him from the middle. They brought extra pressure from the edge. Nothing worked. And the Dolphins sit at 2-0, and getting set to host the Bills, who played tonight, hosting the Titans in Buffalo. Yeah, it's um, looked great for those teams, but watching those, I mean, those are collapses. And look, Tua put the ball on the money. Tyreek Hill is very fast. We knew that going in. Can't let guys get wide open behind you. And I think the most concern I have for a team in these three games may be Cincinnati. 
and their loss now and their their own two start on the um, season. I'd say the Raiders also, yeah, showing some cracks at at zero two. But uh, the Ravens are going to be fine, I think, in the long run. Me too. Uh, well, I mean, and then of these surprising two and zero teams, who are we buying? I'm I'm starting to believe a little bit in your guy Hutton, Mike McDaniel, and the Dolphins, and and Tua may just end up having a great season. Well, they're going to be the talk of the NFL this week, and there will be plenty of buzz around that game anyways. They get set to host Buffalo in the AFC East, but they have the chance to take a 2-0 division lead over their AFC East opponents. That's huge. And they, they come from behind, and they win a game where you know they're, they're on the ropes, they're getting blown out. Uh, Tua threw two picks early, um, you know, there's there's always going to be suggestions of is it on the quarterback, is it not? But the suggestion that he's unable to throw deep and they're unable to hit the big play, what Miami's doing, it's very difficult to cover them because of their speed. And everything that Tyreek Hill has talked about all offseason with Tua putting it on the money, we saw that yesterday where, I mean, in, I think in past instances – the expectation of Tua Tagovailoa would be that he's going to miss on one or two of those big plays. Or he's going to leave a layup just a bit short off the rim and they're not going to get or maximize as much off of a play where there was more yardage to gain. That was not the case yesterday against a sound uh, Ravens secondary and strong, strong overall plan initially by Baltimore. And it's not like Lamar Jackson turned it over either. I mean, he, he was rushing and throwing yesterday for big yardage. That was a phenomenal game. That's one of those that is you just you take out and you put in contention for game of the year. No, it was great. And, and, two, and Baltimore uh, drove down and got the field goal from Justin Tucker, the long one. Yeah. That was money that put them up by three. And Tua still Tua manufactured still went right the down drive. The field. And, and that first, the, the, when they're down... 35-21, I think, maybe, or maybe 30. They were down a lot. But the first touchdown that got them going from Tua, where he has that little spin move, yeah. when the rush is coming in, and to keep his bearings and his balance and just put it on the money for the touchdown, very impressed with him, very impressed with the offense from Miami yesterday. Tyreek Hill has been better in Miami than he was in Kansas City, you know, through two so games far, yeah. so far. So, uh, Got to be pumped if you're a Dolphins fan. Well, and Kansas City's not showing signs of of letting up without him. Uh, well, I think where they end up missing him the most is postseason play when you've got to have a play. But the the Dolphins yesterday, just to put in perspective of how rare it is for what we saw, they're just the fifth team since 1950 to trail by 21 points entering the fourth quarter on the road to come back and win a game. And uh, they do it in dramatic fashion where they find Waddle in the end zone. Tremendous job. Uh, I love what Mike McDaniel said post-game where he told his team on Saturday night that he hoped that they would go into Baltimore and face some adversity because he wanted to see how his team would respond because he thought they were built to withstand whatever they were going to throw early. And they did. I I think it's a huge confidence boost, Jad, for a a team that has a young first-time play caller is looking for some energy from their quarterback. And the, the, the energy comes from their wide receiving core. We should also throw out, though, Chase Edmonds in their run game also came to play yesterday. And that's an element that Tua hasn't had either, is a serviceable running back. Through two games, it looks like Chase Edmonds is their bell cow, 70% carries. Well, surprising 2-0 team in the Dolphins. Surprising 2-0 team 
with the New York football giants, Brian Dayball, Mike McDaniel, both selling hope yeah. to their team. But it's one thing to sell hope and say, hey, this is a new attitude. You know, we got a new, new outlook on life. Things are going to be better. You're a pretty good football team. We're going to make this happen. You sell those things and you don't have early success. It's a much more difficult sales pitch. When you start out 2-0 and in the way those two teams, I mean, just Dolphins that we're talking about now, you beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots, the team that's had the stranglehold on your own division for years now in game one. Then you go on the road and even on a day where Lamar Jackson plays really well, you beat the Ravens. It was a team that's you know perennial playoff type team to do that to go to two and zero phenomenal and the Giants also game two was one that you could see them winning when the schedule came out at home against Carolina but to win on the road against the Titans the defending number one seed out of the AFC and then to beat Carolina at home remarkable start for them as well so that's the bright side of some of the NFL finals. Some surprising 0-2s out there as well. And also, we've got a suspension coming down before the show from Mike Evans, who will now be suspended one game for that fracas against the Saints yesterday. I'm, I'm a bit surprised that it's just one game. Me too. Because of the history that he and Marshawn Lattimore had. Evans has already been suspended a game for going after Marshawn Lattimore on the sideline. Back whenever Jameis Winston was the quarterback of Tampa Bay, he was jawing with Marshawn Lattimore, and that's the scene where Evans comes up and just plows him uh, with a huge shove in the back from behind, and then there was a, you know, uh, a, a brawl, maybe uh, a large term for it, but he was thrown out of that game too, um, suspended for a game. This is the third time they've they've had an incident on the field, and because of that, I was like, man, this. Initially, in real time, you're watching, you're like, they're, they're playing this up like they've just been ejected and this is like a first-time, one-time thing. This is like three times now where there has been a physical altercation after the play coming off a bench and doing something. So I'm surprised it's only one game. It is a big game, though. Tampa hosts Green Bay this coming Sunday afternoon on Fox. It's like a 325 kickoff in Tampa. It's the Buccaneers' first, uh, first home game. Uh, they come in at 2-0, another 2-0 team facing a, a Green Bay team coming off their first win last night on Sunday Night Football over Chicago. It's a big loss for them because outside of Mike Evans, I don't know if there's – and I, you could throw Godwin in there, others. I don't know if there's a more dynamic player that does something a bit different than everyone else other than maybe like Scotty Miller, who's that short-range, intermediate-route gadget guy. No knock on Scotty Miller, but their go-to player is Mike Evans. And Brady lost him yesterday. They had a lot of injuries at wide receiver yesterday. And they still, you know, what was an awful game through three quarters, go on the road in New Orleans and win that game 20-10. to 10, And it wasn't even that close in the fourth quarter. Well, defense came up big for Tampa. You know, the two fourth quarter interceptions by Dean were huge. Brady, I mean, the Saints own him up until this game. And really, they still own him defensively in this game. At some point, you got to just stop talking back, I think. Because this is part of the Saints game. I, I understand that, you know, tempers can flare and this and that, but Brady's tossing tablets on the sideline every time, and I'm watching a lot of that game, every time someone says anything to him, he is getting right back up in their face over and over and over again. Not something you see from a lot of quarterbacks. 
And it's not me saying, oh, how dare he say a curse word back to a player or anything like that. We know Brady's edge a bit, but I'm watching and thinking, I don't see how this is benefiting you. Because through two and a half quarters, you had no offense going. They're taking great delight in shutting you down the way they have. I think he plays the better when he's times. fired up like that. And then they're getting your – but I, he didn't play well yesterday. Yeah, but every time – even when he's struggling, that that is like the now, second thought, or third time where he's had that little uh, – that small passing yardage, which is like 230, and then had the, the offensive uh, drives and or lack thereof. And every time that he plays that way – um, it's only happened twice or maybe three times. They've won. Yeah, that what he happened finds was a way to win those Marshawn games. Lattimore pissed off the Tampa defense, and the defense won the game for Tampa. I feel like well, watching that fight, that was the turning point in the game. Lattimore looks like an idiot, too, because he will never shut up. They still went the on a long drive game. after that, a long touchdown drive, where you felt like the first team to get a touchdown, it was insurmountable for how that game was going. And right after that's when I went on the long touchdown drive and got it in the end zone. Um, I, I'm with you, though. Like, the, the Saints, they, they have a remedy for him. That's a big win for Tampa because they're down and depleted, and they still found a way against a solid defense to go get points. Well, and Jameis Winston twice in Tampa territory I don't know throws what, interceptions. I don't know what they're doing playing him. They announced before the game he's playing with four fractures in yeah. his vertebrae. I don't... No, no matter the situation, four back fractures, to me, it's time to rest the guy. You got Andy Dalton there. Like, there's, there's some issues there uh, where they're still playing him. I think it speaks volumes of what they're trying to just hope and pray for in New Orleans offensively with four fractures. And they announced that before the game. Crazy. Yeah. How about the Colts, by the way? The Colts. So let's put, let me put this. If you didn't know, I've been preaching this all offseason. If you didn't know Frank Reich was on the hot seat and every move they were making with their front office and with their coach has to do with job security and how peculiar it was that they were not addressing some of the offensive weapons other than Matt Ryan getting there, which is a huge win for them, trading Wentz away to get Ryan. If you didn't know they were on the hot seat, you do now. Because all of this offseason... They've done nothing but talk about two teams. The Titans, who win the division, and the Jags, who kept them out of the playoffs, and a team they haven't won on the road against in years. Um, it is, it's been since 2014 that the Colts went on the road and beat the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. And to talk about all offseason where they come off of a, a game in Houston, they had really no business tying the game, and they get a tie, not a loss. And to have the game circled in week two, where you're going back on the road against a team and uh, a franchise that kept you out of the playoffs, knowing how awful you were the last time you played there. Literally, the second game that mattered from when you're playing now. And to go, not just lose the game, get shut out offensively. Got whipped. That, to me, is a signal that it is a sinking ship, and right now, it, they're another loss away from abandoned ship. That's how bad this could be in Indy, because heads are going to roll. I don't, think they, I don't think the owner can, can withstand more mediocrity based on how they've been talking all offseason and how much Ballard's been preaching about addressing some of the wrongs that they're, they're trying to get right. And then Frank Wright getting absolutely 
uh, destroyed in his game plan by the the, the Jacksonville uh, defensive uh, play callers and defensive system. It was awful. And again, Chad, to to not only lose the game, but to get shut out 24 nothing. to me, that's all you need to know about Indy this year, sitting at 0-1-1. And, and the fact that they started 0-3 a year ago, to go at the end of the regular season and have a chance to get in the playoffs just by beating either the Raiders or the Jags, and they couldn't do it, and then to start this year the way they have, uh, Frank Reich's going to be unemployed soon. Well, coming into the season, there was no doubt about it. You know, it was Titans or Colts at the top of that division by everyone's pick. Not a single person that I saw picked Jacksonville or Houston to win that division. The Colts have now played the bottom two teams in the AFC South, and they are 0-1-1 with two road opportunities against those two teams. It's a horrific start. Hutton, you like to say it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. They didn't lose by a last-second field goal. They got curb stomped right. by Jacksonville in every facet of the game. And for Frank Reich to come out and say, it's not an effort deal. It's not an effort problem. We just got badly outplayed and outcoached in this game. That's also unacceptable. I, I watched this game and I immediately went from, will Frank Reich lose his job to not if, but when? And is it going to happen midseason with Frank Reich? Because the Colts are just bad right now. It may not they are a mid-season. bad football team. It honestly may not take until midseason if they continue this. Uh, also, I mean, it's not... Let's go a step further. Doug Peterson ran laps offensively against that Indy defense. Um, it, it goes all the way around. Time of possession midway through the third quarter was like 30 minutes to 15 minutes. And at that time, it was 24 nothing already. It was, excuse me, it was 20... Uh, yeah, 24 nothing first downs. Jacksonville had 20... Indy had four. And I made note of this because anything after that moment, I, I felt like was going to be garbage time where Jacksonville sits back and allows a lot of yardage to take place and maybe they get a touchdown. Or, Indy wasn't even that good yesterday. Awful. And with the expectations that they have and all the hype and buzz nationally behind them to be as lifeless as we saw in that game, uh, to me, there's... You know, they're another loss or so away, Chad, from not coming back from it. Yeah, when I say midseason, that's just a blanket term to mean in Any the t- season. Anytime. I'm not saying the halfway point. I'm saying, will the, this is not going to be a Black Monday firing. I right. feel like it, it's one or the two, and right now I'm leaning towards it's going to be in the middle of the season at some point. It's their third shutout in, season. in 15 years, Jacksonville's defense. They haven't won since 2014 there, the Colts. Their last four games... And, and Frank Reich, after the game, said, you know, this is, a, this is one game. No, it's not. Last four games at home, you lose to the Raiders with an interim coach, I think because of a COVID deal or whatever. Uh, they lost to Jacksonville, which knocked them out of the playoffs. They tie against the Texans, which, hands down, if we did a poll across any fan base or any media outlet, among the five worst teams in the league, we would put right there from organizational Structure on down to talent. Young, young talent, but again, no one's expecting them to contend for much. And then they're shut out by the Jags that have every reason not to win that game. To Indy. Craziness. I learned more about the team yesterday that lost that game, the Colts. Although Jacksonville can be one of those surprise teams just like we're talking about with the Giants. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. We're just getting warmed up, Hutton. We're just so, getting warmed up. Coming up... Let's dive into college football headlines. Penn State, the Nittany Lions, James Franklin, they go on the road. They head to the Plains. 
and then the Auburn fan base heads for the exits before the fourth quarter gets going. We'll do that. We'll discuss App State. We'll discuss the week that's coming up for Tennessee, Florida, and much more across the SEC. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're recapping another fantastic week of football from college to pro. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. What we learned across the college football landscape that we'll discuss now, Penn State blows out Auburn. You have A&M winning uh, a big game against Miami. LSU takes out Mississippi State. App State continues their Cinderella run with the, the Hail Mary tip. Touchdown at the end to beat Troy after game day was there. Arkansas survives. Survives Bobby Petrino. Oh, can you imagine? I'm watching that game in the second half when Missouri State's up, oh. and I'm looking at the Arkansas people, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I cannot think of a more cruel fate than the man who had to leave your program because he totaled his motorcycle with his mistress, who was paid by the university on the back of it, comes back, and beat you with Missouri State when you are a top 10 in the nation program. But luckily for Hog fans everywhere, they're still calling the Hogs today because they survived Petrino and Missouri State. Dude can coach football. There's no doubt about that. He is a great offensive mind. He had some play calls in that game that I'm marveling at how well they worked. Um, but that was near disaster for Arkansas. No big changes at the top of the AP Top 25. You'll take a look at it here. Georgia... Uh, dominates South Carolina. Uh, that uh, you know, I look at Georgia. I think, man, they're better. They're a more complete team than they were a year ago, which is saying something. Washington wins at home over Michigan State, so we see the Huskies pop up to 18th overall. Oregon won over BYU as the more physical team. They're back up to 15th, and just with all of the other headlines, Herb Edwards is out at Arizona State. So we did have for the second consecutive week a Power Five head coach on the outs. A little competition for Nebraska and their coaching search now that Arizona State's got a vacancy also. 20-point favorite against Eastern Michigan. You lose. You start one and two. You compound that with the fact that you're being investigated by the NCAA for major violations. And it became a pretty easy decision for Arizona State to go ahead and and turn the page from Herm Edwards. Um, It was... uh, not as compelling a Saturday as it was on Sunday across college football, but there, there was still some, some good action. I, I thought Penn State was very impressive. Me too. In, in their just physical beatdown of Auburn. Look, I understand that Auburn's got all sorts of issues. And Brian Harson, I think it's, it's cemented now. Uh, he's going to be done as Auburn coach at some point this year. We knew that going in, that he had to almost be perfect to keep his job. But man, oh man, I, I'm, I'm impressed with James Franklin's squad after that game. Well, the game, if you just look at a stat sheet, is not even that close because Auburn had the 83-yard drive at the end of the game. 
They had the 63 or 65-yard touchdown drive that padded some stats late. This is a, a blowout, 41-12. And we, we, we previewed this by saying this is one of those games where no one's expecting big things from Auburn based on Brian Harson's situation where even if, to, to us, Chad, and I'll, I'll speak for you here, even if Auburn does well, Harson wants out based on the vibe around the program and everything that went and took place back in February, March. He's a guy now waiting for a buyout, I feel like. Yeah, and if we if you thought he was surviving the season, I think this this loss is a precursor to what's coming down the road here. But point being, this is, this is a big win for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions to go on the road and, and beat Auburn, a team that was a back-and-forth game and a solid game a year ago at your own uh, in, in Happy Valley. Now, and now you get a, a road win in the SEC, albeit an Auburn team that's struggling, that has awful quarterback play, um, that can't string together much of anything in consistent fashion uh, that you would point to as solid football. And to go on the road and play your game, play your style, uh, have Clifford play and uh, take down their, their best player, Tank Biz- Bigsby, non-factor against Penn State. I thought that signaled great things ahead for Penn State this season uh, by getting the road win on the SEC. Yeah, Bigsby, nine carries, 39 yards. The, the rushing attack is what impressed me. 245 to 119. Singleton, the on freshman. On the road at Auburn for a Big Ten team to just yeah. really enforce their will against Auburn, I, I thought was really impressive. Through three weeks, I'm very confident in saying Auburn looks like the worst team in the SEC West. So I think that they've got an ugly record coming their way well, this year. But in Honestly, if we're just like if we're being fair here, when's the last time a Big Ten team not named Ohio State or Michigan has taken the will that a team has gone on the road and, and broke down the will of the opponent in the SEC? I don't think that happens. Yeah, it, it, well, first off, these games don't happen that often because the two conferences well, hate each other. Yeah, or so they never, they never yeah. schedule each other. Or so it's neutral. Or it's a, a, you a gotta, postseason game. Yeah, you got to go to all those bowl, Outback and right. Citrus and all those games that it's Big Ten versus SEC. And I'm sure you can find some games there where the Big Ten has dominated on the ground. But regardless of precedent, when you think SEC, you think big, bad defensive line play. Trenches. And what I saw from Penn State was they were bigger and badder yeah. than Auburn in this game, and that's a testament to James Franklin uh, in his program and, and what they what they're doing right now at Penn State. Three and zero on the season. Purdue loses to Syracuse. Syracuse, by the way, now three and zero. That win over Purdue, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe doesn't look quite as impressive for Penn State, but regardless, this Saturday was really impressive for the Nittany Lions. Um, a nice win for A&M, 17-9 over Miami, uh, where Miami was trying to press the issue, and for whatever reason in the second half where not, not much was going, they elect to kick a field goal to make it 17-6 instead of go for it down 17-3. I don't know what was up there. I would have tried to get you get that close to the end zone in this game. I try to punch it in there. Um the, the teams combined, though, for less than 700 total yards of offense. I mean, this was a slugfest. But, um, you know, knowing that Van Dyke comes in with all the hype and they have some offensive firepower, plus the transfer running back from Ole Miss. Um, Chad, I, knowing what App State did to their defense a week ago, I was impressed by what we saw and how they rallied the troops a week later 
to get a win at home over Miami and keep their season alive because back-to-back losses at home against Appalachian State and Miami does them in. Yeah, Billy Lucci said, you know, it wasn't going to save the season getting a win, but losing would have ruined it. So they survive in this game. But watching A&M, this is just who they are now. They, they don't have a good offense. Yeah. I, I didn't see any real cohesion from the offense. Max Johnson's well, better than Haynes King. I'm not sure H-A-M. how much. H, if, if well, and he's going- such a difference maker on special teams, too. He had the, the kickoff return for a touchdown against Appalachian State. He's their true... Aeneas Smith should be, but their passing game is so out of sorts, yeah. it's hard to get him involved to any great extent. So A-Chain is the difference maker with the ball in his hands. But they're not but treating him like the bell cow that I thought they would and that they talked about. Their offense is just not well organized yeah. or cohesive. And that is a Jimbo Fisher problem. Sure, the quarterbacks aren't great. I thought Max Johnson, that he's going to be better than Haynes King coming out of this game, but... That's just a bad offense. They got a good defense. They got to hope to win games like this. This is a very much a 1989 SEC type team that yeah. they're going to win in the trenches and they're not going to do much offensively. They have, uh, going back to your point on offense, they have role players, but they don't have the leading actor, right? They, they've got the, the, the B-level star with Smith and A-Chain because I, I think both are, could elevate to be the guy. But they don't treat either guy like the guy of the offense, the go-to player, and which is odd in the SEC. Well, where you have I, you have caliber. I mean, they're they're true top-flight caliber athletes and players. I I would expect them to lean more into both of both of those guys. Yeah, this than what is they just do. I, I, this is totally on Jimbo Fisher to me. I'm not blaming any player for Texas A&M. The, the, he's got and, the talent. He's got the best freshman class in the history of the sport. He's got some big-time receivers they could put out there. Some of which are getting suspended. I know from from this game, that's not a good sign for A&M, but this is his offense, and it's bad. The offense he's put on the field, this is not an execution issue. They don't look like they can run a play at times. The longest play of the game, looking at it, 29 yards is their longest offensive play. It's discombobulated when you watch them play. From the offensive line to every layer of the offense, the timing's a little bit off, their protection is off, the quarterback is off, the playmakers you mentioned, Hutton, aren't getting the ball enough. And even when they target those playmakers, something's just a little bit off. It, it's, it's totally an offensive issue right well, now, and that falls at the feet of Jimbo Fisher. Anaya Smith, the best play he made was recovering his own fumble and somehow coming up with that on the, on the special teams uh, issue. Now, defensively, I thought they were outstanding, and I think they have a chance to be outstanding. Yeah, and they're they're going to be, uh, I, I think I looked today, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Arkansas. On a neutral site. So Vegas still believes in AM's talent. You know, this is a neutral site game against what the 10th ranked team in America in Arkansas, and AM is a slight favorite. Yeah, two and a half points, I think. Yeah. Right now, early on, I like Arkansas. Uh, I would Heavy. take Arkansas too. Heavy. Even though Arkansas, as we had mentioned before, not overly impressive <laughs> against Missouri State. But the hope is they're just overlooking that opponent getting ready for AM. Will Rogers completed. 38 and 39 passes in the first two games for Mississippi State and completed just 24 against LSU on the road in Death Valley. This was those games where I still feel the same way about LSU going into the game versus, I I mean, it's a nice win for them, but I, I felt like this was not in the same vein as Penn State, Chad, for Mississippi State, but maybe the same tier of expectation where if they go and win, 
to me, I'm buying more into, oh, maybe this is a Mississippi State uh, roster that is on par with where Arkansas would be in the West. And by losing this game on the road to LSU, which I think this is the easiest matchup, if you're getting LSU this year, I don't think it gets easier down the road. I think this season may be the easiest you have it for a while because it's, it's rare that you have seven wins as an expectation for a team in Baton Rouge. Point being, uh, for Will Rogers to show up and play his worst game since 2020, that's, uh, that's a sign that Mississippi State may be a little bit better than last year, but not by much. Yeah, I was uh, really disappointed in Mississippi State watching a, a good bit of this game. Uh, I was impressed with Jaden Daniels. Not overly uh, accurate, no. tw- 22 for 37. Um, 93 yards rushing, though. That's the thing that jumps out to me with him. He is exceptionally quick for a quarterback. I don't know that he's fast in terms of just running past people, but how quickly he makes his decision and you know explodes through the hole. I've been, I've been really impressed with his quickness. He looked a lot better in this game. Nice bounce back for LSU. And State, by the way, led 13-0. And then they this, you know they muffed the punt and they have the short field. They allow LSU back in it. But they never recovered from that when they gave up the lead. It's the To me, it's the big takeaway from Mike Leach's offense almost every year. He's never going to have the most talented team. And he's got a system that works. But when it doesn't work, when you can play the defense that you have to play against this air raid and you have the athletes to do it, it can look really bad. And I feel like this was one of those games where they got into it and defensively LSU had the right plan and more importantly they had the right personnel on defense to stop the air raid. And when that happens, there's no, there's no counter. right? That's the, that's the one knock on Mike Leach is if they've got you, and they know how to how to play against all these crossers mm-hmm. that are going over. The, then you're done. There's no real counter to that for Mike Leach's offense, and that's that's sort of what they got into in this game against LSU's defense. And LSU, when you play them, the the story on them this season, you can get out to a lead. They are extremely late starters when it comes to games. Thirty four of their fifty eight points in their two FBS games have been in the fourth quarter. And their final 25 plays against Mississippi State produced 24 points and 175 yards. Their first 50 plays, just seven points. Or seven, yeah, seven points. Um, so in keeping that in mind, if you're jumping out to the early lead, their, their defense eventually sinks up, and it's, it's difficult. They, their defense this past week was very good. But Mississippi State lacked that counterpunch after starting off strong LSU had one so credit them there but I, I think I learned more about Mississippi State than I did LSU in that game 31-16 the final when Mississippi State led 13-0 early Arkansas survives we'll get into that plus Georgia dominates South Carolina it's a little bit weird that after Georgia dominates you that you're already fielding questions about whether or not the locker room is still with it like if they're throwing in the towel and I'm paraphrasing there, but oh, no, that, for, it was, Shane, for Shane Beamer to get that question when it do was... Do you sense any quit in yeah, your team? Yeah, it, it was Georgia. Like I said Friday, I felt like this game was going to be reminiscent of the early matchup last year when Georgia came on the road against Vandy. There's no knock on South Carolina or Vandy. It's just Georgia's that dominant, and they're not going to allow you any breathing room. And, I mean, I, I'm, not, they, I'm not surprised by this. If they just lost to Louisiana Tech, I'd understand yeah. the question. 
It's weird after a beatdown. You're one and two. Is are, is your season over? Yeah. Have your has your team already I, quit? And I'm thinking, have you seen their schedule? I didn't hear a lot of talk that South Carolina was ready to compete on this level. Look, South Carolina <laughs> so. has looked about like I expected, maybe slightly worse. But they were big underdogs in two of the games. They're one and two. You know, it's 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 gone according to script so far. There's nothing outstanding, good or bad, right. about their season so far. That would prompt uh, someone asking Shane Beamer if he senses quit in the locker room now that they're one and two. Maybe this was the guy that voted them number one in the SEC or one of those. Oh, that's right. Maybe one of those voters that, that maybe he, he had South Carolina ninth in the nation after that loss to Arkansas. So he's really upset now that they they're one and two. They know the program better than we do, being like uh, you know right there in the thick of it. It was just a very odd question to field at a press conference where the number one team and the most talented team in the country, without question came in there and you know blew the doors off, and it was really no surprise that that took place. We'll dive in more into that as the week progresses. When we come back, the game of the weekend happens in Knoxville. Tennessee hosts Florida in what has always been an anticipated matchup, and this one brings a lot more to the table. We'll give the early preview and our thoughts of the Vols and Gators next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. Coming up, we'll check in with PK in Buffalo. We have so much to get to throughout the show. We're going to recap the crazy weekend of the NFL coming up next hour as well. Plus, previewing both games tonight, Titans and Bills, Vikings and Eagles in a doubleheader uh, where the Eagles and Vikings kick off in Philly, what, roughly halftime of game number one in Buffalo with the Bills and Titans. Chad, uh, later this weekend, 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern, CBS kickoff, Tennessee and Florida, where the Vols at Neyland are currently at DraftKings, an 11-point favorite over the SEC's rival. And for those not familiar with this, go ahead and, and lay out the, uh, the beware of big games where Tennessee's favorite against Florida. Well, Florida's won 16-17 in this series, and you hear that and think, okay, Urban Meyer was the coach at Florida. For a while, they won two national titles. That makes sense because Tennessee's been pretty bad, you know, mediocre for 15 years. Well, Tennessee lost to Jim McElwain as the coach, lost to Ron Zook as the coach, lost to Will Muschamp as the coach, did not beat Dan Mullen as head coach in, at Florida also. They've lost to some pretty average Florida teams. Now, watching these two teams play through three games, Tennessee's better. Tennessee's the better football team. Vegas has them as 11-point favorite because Tennessee is taking care of business. They go on the road and beat Pitt in a game. They don't play that well offensively. They destroy Ball State. They destroy another MAC team, 63-6 to over Akron this weekend. Credit to Josh Heupel because there's one thing about this Tennessee team, and you see it all over college football, teams getting scares from majorly inferior opponents. I had no concern of that against Akron. I knew Tennessee was going to show up and blow them out. 
and pick their score in that game. That's a credit to Josh Heupel and the culture he has in Knoxville. Now, the big question mark is, will that culture lead to Tennessee shaking whatever spirit is within them that when they see that orange helmet with the blue gators printed on the helmet, that they play in fear and they make big mistakes and they don't perform up to expectation? That, that's a big step. I think it's a new day in Knoxville with, with Josh Heupel. But Hutton, we've seen multiple Tennessee coaches be in some pretty good spots in this rivalry and have their team show up and look bad against the Gators. Watching Florida Saturday night, Tennessee's a better team. Anthony Richardson has the ability to make big plays with his legs. Their passing offense, not quite there right now. Tennessee looks better. That's why they're an 11-point favorite. They just got to show up and do it. I'm and prove they can do it against Florida. I, I agree they're better. I don't know if it's 11 points better I, in I don't, this game. I, I would hammer Florida and, on the money line on that and one. And the, the idea – so the teams that have performed well against Florida, Kentucky and then South Florida, were able to run the football. Tennessee can't run the football. That's number one. Well, especially now they're starting running back maybe out. He was but out even after with second, him, second Even with game. him, yeah, I haven't carry. seen enough. And – when you South, so South Florida entered this past week as a 24 and a half point underdog, and they had lost 19 of 23 games with head coach Jeff Scott there. And they punted one time because they ran the football. They converted eight of 15 third downs, two for two on fourth down, and they ran for 286 yards on the Florida defense. That's how you beat them. That's the storyline of the week. Is does Hypel beat them running their offense? Cedric Tillman needs to be healthy, too. Headlines and Buffalo next.